People will so quickly be like, yeah, are you going to tell a lion to not eat meat? I'm like, well, we're not a fucking lion. Do lions and tigers drive cars? Do, yeah. do lions and tigers have cell phones? Do lions and tigers drink Bud Light and hang out on the beach with their friends? No, lions and tigers live in the jungle. They are carnivorous animals and they are eating other animals because they have to to survive. We do not compare any of our other actions to those of wild carnivorous animals, except for the fact when people try to justify eating meat. It's not like you're running around trying to rip into the, the flesh of animals on the street. You're not designed to do that. No, lions and tigers sniff each other's butts. When was the last time you did that? Well... <laughs> Amy, you're alone on this. <laughs> What the hell is up? My name is Jamie Logan. Hello, my name is Amy. And we are here in sunny California at the Ava Summit. We were like, we're going to just sit down for 45 minutes and podcast. Because why not? Because why the hell not? Seriously. I have been waiting to meet this phenomenal woman for months now. She is a Bollywood actress. She's freaking hilarious, gorgeous. She could be my manager. You're a jack of all (laughs) trades. Okay, so without further ado, today we're going to talk a little bit about some vegan myths. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be vegan in India and just kind of see where the conversation goes. We're a little bit of a wild card, the two of us. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What can we say? (laughs) So so introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? So, uh, Jamie, I am Amy. Hello. Um, I'm an actor in Bollywood now. It was never part of the plan. Here we are. I live in Mumbai. Uh, I've been vegan now for a good 17 years, maybe more than that. (laughs) And I went vegan when I started... um, I wasn't like vegetarian. I kind of like ate meat and a little bit, but I was I was never like a big meat eater, but I still ate meat, right? Um, and dairy and all that. Then I ended up watching this like PETA, random PETA videos from like back in the day, like the slaughter ones and stuff. And I was like, shit, like I, I, I really am not okay with like this right and so I watched that I'm like oh my god and then one thing led to another and then I read China study watch earthlings and like bam 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 it just you know went into that direction and without any knowledge of like health anything I went vegan like overnight and I'm like that's it you know and I was crying and I told my mom and I'm like that's it it's never happening again and um, yeah, I went vegan and um, yeah, and it's been 17 years and it's it's been incredible. Like I think it's the most important thing that I've ever done in my whole life. It's given me clarity. It's given my, my conscience is clear. Um, I feel I'm aligned with my deep moral values and I feel morally consistent. I mean, I've, I've not been a perfect vegan like the whole way, like especially, you know, at the start or whatever, but um, ultimately the intention has been, you know, there. Being vegan in India is very interesting because um, uh, it's a very vegetarian country right? So there's a lot of options. It's quite easy. But with that as well, because of the population in India, there are so many misconceptions around veganism and very strong opinions that people have. And running a vegan blog page in India, I see a lot of these general commentaries that people have. And India is one of the biggest dairy drinkers in the world, right? And I find it so interesting that in India... Number one dairy drinkers in the world, but then also one of the biggest exporters of beef and leather in the world. It's like, that's how you show that you love the cow? And everyone will be like, we love cows. But I'm like, but do you understand that we breed these cows? We forcefully breed them to produce children and then take the children away. And then ultimately, where do these dairy cows go? Because a lot of very like pure vegetarians like Hindus and Jains will be like it's seen as like a religious thing because Lord Shiva, um, Lord Krishna would, you know, have the milk from the cow and like it's seen as a very religious, beautiful thing. But unfortunately, that whole aspect of like a godlike activity happening is not what the reality actually is. And I think Indians get confused because they think of dairy like Um, Like when I was growing up in one of our friend's houses, she had a cow in the house. And that's very normal in a 
small Indian rural household to have the cow in the home. I was going to ask if the cow has his, have his own room. Or? <laughs> the cow just kind of lives like there in in the like terracy area. Just lives there, right? And Beautiful. yeah, and so then people just have the cow at home and take the milk. But I'm like. But I never thought about this when I was a kid because I'm like, hang on. But then someone is still impregnating that cow at your home. Like even if you have a beautiful home, you know, whatever, you're still needing these cows to get pregnant. So it, anyway, it's – but those are very isolated cases. It's like, okay, even if someone does have like a beautiful cow at home, they take care of it. It's so lovely. That's unfortunately not the reality No. of 99%. Not at all. And I see this all the time. Like whenever I get comments on my Instagram from people in India, they're like, well, it's different here. And I think you oftentimes will see that with other countries. They're like, oh, the way that we kill the animals is actually really different. Every country will say that. Yeah. We don't factory About their country. Yeah. I'm like, baby, you're trying to make taking a knife to an individual's throat like a good thing. Yeah. There's nothing humane about that. And we've actually managed to devalue the lives of farmed animals so much to the point where we will try to justify harming them for for a sandwich it's like we will try to say that oh well it's okay if we torture them humanely because they're farmed animals but yeah there's really no difference between the farmed animals and our companion animals at home absolutely it's just a cultural perception it's like the What's so shocking to me is that if we were to do any of the practices that are done to farmed animals to our companion animals, we would be arrested. We would be thrown in jail. Absolutely. We would be socially... The animal abuser. Ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. So it it really goes to show this deep social conditioning. And the meat industry is brilliant at convincing the public that these products are necessary, that they're good for us, that they're humane. I mean, it's actually genius marketing. It's, it's so interesting because it's like vegans and even vegetarians are seen as being extreme. And you ask any like one on the street, any meat eater or whatever, they'll be like, okay, vegans are extreme. I'm like, okay, sure. There's some extremist vegans over there. There's a few. We all know one. Then there's also some extremist meat eaters, right, who we know, like redneck country, hello. So there's extremists on any – you take any ideology, any – sentiment anything it's it's human you've you've got extremist muslims extremist christians extremist vegans non-vegans whatever that's extremists that doesn't make the norm the norm is is what it's like being vegan is what it's promoting being kind that is the base level thing so are we saying as a society that being kind is extreme that's literally what we're saying and i find that mind-boggling and the fact that these trillion dollar organizations have literally manufactured a sentiment that is so deeply ingrained into people's mindsets that it's necessary to eat animals and eat their secretions. It's insane. We need to take some of this brilliant marketing and apply it into our own world and and in veganism, whether it's through billboards, whether it's through commercials, social media. And it kind of just to tail off on what you're saying, like you have some people that'll say, oh, I'm I'm 90% vegan. Apply this notion to any other social justice movement. Oh, I'm 90% oh, I'm 90% of the time anti-racist. So 10% of the time you treat people poorly because of their skin color or 10% of the time you abuse it. women. Like it, it, we have devalued the lives of these animals to such an extent that we say that, oh, it's okay, you know, sometimes to, to kill them. It's like these animals are not sometimes dead. Every time you eat them, that means that they have to die and live a life of suffering and ultimately that our sensory pleasure that we get from a 10-minute meal means more than their whole entire lives it's so crazy yeah and i and i th- a rebuttal i hear to that a lot is that people are like um i'm on the top of the food chain so that is why it's okay that xyz animal can lose his life because my you know uh interest is is greater than that but i'm like okay i understand the perception that we are greater than and I agree that for all intensive purposes, we are greater than the other animals in terms of our ability to think 
and rationally and morally feel we, we are greater than them. And because of that, we should be able to use our greater abilities to make better decisions. Where not people will so quickly be like, yeah, are you going to tell like a lion to like not eat meat? I'm like, well, we're not a fucking lion. <laughs> like. Yeah, if you were to go into the jungle, baby, you would be dead in like three seconds. You would get eaten alive. And it just goes to show that when we do have greater power or we do have the ability to do harm, we shouldn't. We should actually use that moral compass to do better. And the whole lion and tiger argument is absolutely insane because the one thing I like to ask people is, number one, do lions and tigers drive cars? Do yeah. do lions and tigers have cell phones? Do lions and tigers drink Bud Light and hang out on the beach with their friends? No, lions and tigers live in the jungle. They are carnivorous animals and they are eating other animals because they have to to survive. We do not compare any of our other actions yeah. to those of wild carnivorous animals except for the fact when people try to justify eating meat. Literally. It's not like you're running around trying to rip into the, you know, into the flesh of animals on the street to like eat. The, like you're not, you're not designed to do that. No, lions and tigers <laughs> sniff each other's butts. When was the last time you did that? Well, <laughs> Amy, you're alone on this. <laughs> She's like canceled. Hashtag canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think it's yeah, it's it's really fucking weird, and um, I I I think people just grapple at like straws to like find excuses to like justify it because they're so used to doing something, and I think when you're generally used to doing something your whole life, you honestly believe it's true and we are creatures of learned behavior so whatever we're taught from young we generally do that um and we don't question it unless something happens in our life to make us critically think and most of us are one also never taught to critically think when we're children Mm. right and we 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 grow up in environments where it's an echo chamber of what our neighbors our parents our friends and our school are teaching us and generally that's always a set narrative that is in most um places so People don't critically think, and I really think it's important for um, parents to encourage their children, whether or not they eat meat, to encourage their children to critically think. Because I think if you equip a young human with the ability to question their religion, question their um, you know, uh, beliefs in, in any regard, it helps them to make their own informed smart choices when they are adults and can think for themselves Mm -hmm. and most people literally don't do that no they just follow the crowd it's like if the crowd were walking along a cliff and the whole entire crowd fell off the cliff would you too fall off and it kind of is this is an extreme analogy but when you're looking at how these animal products are long-term affecting your health you kind of are following that 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 crowd off the cliff You know, whether you die of cancer, heart disease, or diabetes, these are diseases that you could avoid. But that's seen as normal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, um, dude, it's not normal to be getting fucking cancers and cardiovascular diseases and like all this stuff, strokes in your in your 50s. Like you sh- that shouldn't even be happening. I mean, erectile dysfunction shouldn't be happening till at least I would say 70. Yeah. I think. I don't really know too much about that, actually. <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> But it's one of those things that it does affect your blood flow. It affects your whole body. But really, what I find, too, at this age is that it affects your your spirituality and your consciousness. I am not actively consuming fear, suffering, death. You know, it's one of those things where through my everyday actions, through your everyday actions, we can align our values with our morals. Yeah. Simple as that. That's as simple as that. And I think that's really true. I think on a spiritual level, when you are consuming adrenaline and fear, that is entering, we're, we're made up of cells, that is entering your um, muscle, you're eating muscle mass made of cells, your cells, you're consuming that on a very holistic level that is impacting you in some way. And um, I, yeah, I think a lot of people don't link the dots with that as well, especially if they call themselves spiritual. <clears throat> Actually, I was on the plane 
And next to me was this, I was in Dharamshala. Um, and Dharamshala, obviously, where all the monks are, Dalai Lama's home is there, temple. And I was coming back to Mumbai. And on the plane, a Buddhist monk, he was eating a chicken sandwich. But most Buddhist monks eat meat. And and I was so intrigued because in Rishikesh in India, it is uh, where a lot of the um, ashrams and everything are, um, meat is actually banned in the entire city, right? And I'm like, that's the sort of vibe I expect in a spiritual like place, right? In Dharamshala, meat is everywhere, mutton, this, that. And I'm like, isn't this meant to be... Isn't Buddhism meant to be like spiritual, no violence, not hurting others, blah, blah, blah. And I saw a fascinating interview with with all these Buddhist monks who eat meat, being asked, why do you eat meat? And one guy was like, oh, well, um, we're not allowed to directly kill anyone. So as long as we're not doing it directly, it's okay. I'm like, what do you, what, what does that mean? And it's like, well, it's indirect. Someone else has killed it. But then the guy's like, but it's still being killed because you wanted it. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't kill it. The blood is on your hands. <laughs> There's no like loophole. Like God is aware. If there is, you know, he can see yeah. that you've cheated. Like, okay, you didn't kill <laughs> well, it. but it's- God and Amy are both watching you guys. <laughs> Amy is on the plane. She is like staring at this Buddhist monk. She is like, I'm watching you. I was literally next I, to him. I'm like, you fat fuck. I know exactly what is going on here. <laughs> and I'm telling. <laughs> So it really goes to show this major, major disconnect. And I think we need to think about this um, and and really look at, okay, if somebody is saying, I am spiritual, I'm practice, I'm practicing a religion or Buddhism to actually end the suffering of others, how does your everyday actions <laughs> align with that? And clearly eating animals does not. Yeah, it does not. But yeah, I mean, everyone's everyone has a different journey with with figuring this stuff out. But um, how would you say to somebody if they were they responded to each their own? To each their own. Okay, firstly, that that doesn't even make sense because then would you say that to a pedophile? Mm. I mean, you know, it's just like what we find morally acceptable as a society will be like, oh, it's a personal choice. I'm like, no, it's not a fucking personal choice. It's like when there's a victim, there is no personal choice. So it's not like to each their own. No, you're actually eating someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I understand that not everyone puts animals in a category of, of giving them some kind of moral care and regard. But I really encourage people to really take a step back like if if they do have any love and care for like a dog and you extend to them that level of compassion and and care then equally a pig a chicken a cow has the same capacity for love suffering fear etc so we know scientifically we do not need to be consuming animals every fucking peer-reviewed study in the world can showcase exactly this no protein dramas, no whatever, it's fine. Like you, you'll be healthy and great and healthy and happy at any age if you want to be vegan. We know this, which means you're doing it by choice. You're choosing to inflict suffering on an animal for no reason when you can easily choose not to do it. So I really don't agree with to each their own because I'm like, you're making a violent choice consciously when you don't need to. That's a freaking reel in itself, darling. Mic drop. I really do think, you know, when we have the other options, it's like, why would you choose to be cruel? And speaking of applying, you know, personification or whatnot to animals, it's like somebody commented on my reel the other day saying, this freaking weirdo thinks that fish are people. (laughs) And I was just like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they are different and that we should look at their differences and accept that and be okay with the fact that they are different and they're amazing in different ways. Fish can breathe underwater. Tell me the last time you tried to do that. You know, yeah. fish can, they have friends, they have social circles. And just because they're different doesn't mean that gives us permission to exploit them. Absolutely. And it's not like we're in a survival situation where we have to kill the fish. No one's in the fucking desert island. No one needs to like kill the fish. You're right? not in the jungle sniffing the other tiger's asshole. Like <laughs> it's not necessary, right? And so because it's it's 
it's not justifiable because it's in no way uh, a survival thing. So what we're doing to, I mean, ocean life is insane. And I was reading a statistic that by 2048, there are going to be no more fish in the ocean. And it's mind boggling that we have literally scraped the oceans clear that like these giant ships with trawlers, literally the size of like, 10 plus soccer fields have these giant nets that go all the way from the top of the ocean all the way to the bottom of the floor of the ocean and scrape everything along with it in these giant nets Mm. we are literally scouring it all clear and clean and and it's it's just mind-boggling and if the oceans die, we ultimately die as well. We ultimately die. Like, it, yeah. It's an ecosystem. Yeah. So as soon as one part of the ecosystem goes out of whack, it affects everything else. And we are already starting to see these climate disasters when we look at these massive heat waves flooding, you know, these these horrific things that are happening to people around the world. We're going to be seeing water wars in our lifetime. And this is due to animal agriculture. And, you know, being that animal agriculture is a leading cause of environmental destruction. There's a stat out there that the amount of CO2 uh, that is produced by animal agriculture is more than the entire transportation system combined. Planes, trains, cars, automobiles. Because when you look at how many resources it takes to raise an animal, feed an animal, water an animal, kill an animal, store their body parts. It is massive. It's just profound. It's unsustainable long term. Mm. Yeah, that's and that's really interesting because a lot of people that comment on my Instagram tend to believe that plant agriculture is worse than animal agriculture. And I'm like, firstly, since when do you give such a shit about plants? Since when? And if you care so much about plants, you shouldn't eat animals because, fuck, I feel like I say this like a thousand times a day. You know, do I have to say it again? Can we just overlay <laughs> overlay Amy's copy and paste of the same thing? That Maybe we can find like five different clips of you saying it <laughs> and put it in there. But it's true. It's like... We, we literally feed so many resources to make one fucking animal and so much water, so much land, so much crops, most of the world's soy. Everything goes into like, uh, you know, breeding these animals and, and people don't realize if we just ate plants, we would be using so fewer resources. And this is backed by peer-reviewed data. This is not people's opinions. This is literally fact. This is the data. And I do think that people need to look at the fact that if you are such a plant lover, you can actually kill less plants by going vegan. Yeah. Because the animals are eating over 60% of the crops that we're growing. And I think worldwide that statistic is even more. 75%, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, there you go. So plants don't feel pain. Plants don't have sentience. They actually don't have a brain or a nervous system or no isoceptors, which are pain receptors, which would give them the ability to feel pain. I get that comment so often i i and and and, you know i'm sure it's different demographically like i'm assuming you have a higher u.s audience i've got a much higher indian audience and so but i think what collectively binds everyone is the comments are generally the same and something that i very often get is around uh they'll be like ma'am um uh yes it's bad to kill animals but also plants living things also so also worse i'm like okay what um that's that's not that you can't just say shit like that because that's not true like and and I don't know what the point of making that kind of comment is because it's like well how does that apply you're still eating animals you're still doing the maximum damage yeah they're trying to justify their actions and it's it's something stupid that they think we're not gonna have an argument for but baby we've heard it a million times i mean yeah give me something new to work with god damn it i think people say that plants have feelings too as a means of saying that okay you vegan are also hurting animals so me hurting my animals is okay and it's like, you know, but they're missing the logic and the common sense around, you know, the actual impacts that being vegan has on the environment, the health and the animals. Like they're missing the entire point there. But yeah, man, it's it's t- 
tiring and exhausting. Mm-hmm. It, again, it, it goes back to devaluing their lives so much that we actually are comparing a cow to a field of grass. Yeah. We're saying that this field of grass is the same, has the same value and, you know, should be left alone the same as a cow. And it's like, well, if you actually feel that way about grass or let's say you see a soul in a rock, there's people that do. uh, You need to look at the fact that these cows have a central nervous system. They cry, they feel pain too. So if you do see value in all life, you should look at how you can reduce suffering the most, which is on a fully plant-based diet. And the, the whole comment about, oh, well, we clear fields and all the mice and the insects in the fields, they die during plant crop farming. This is such a common comment that I get. And I think, honestly, it's because of Joe Rogan and inf- misinformation that was spread on his podcast. And this is how I would respond to that. Over 75% of the crops that are grown are fed to farmed animals. So when we look at the insects, the mice that are in the fields, you can actually reduce casualties in that way by going directly to plant-based farming because you're taking out the middleman, the animals that are eating. literally the middleman. Yeah, over 75% of the crops. And then you can just go towards the crops that we, we have to eat, you know, whether it's tofu, um, beans, legumes. I think that is like one of the most idiotic comments that you can receive absolutely i i think that this um joe rogan thing has been really interesting because i watched his videos recently and he made this comment that um if you have tofu it's so harmful for the environment because it's killing um you know all the mice in the production all these insects all these small animals and your tofu causes more harm then if I just eat a cow, I'm just killing that one cow. And I'm curious that is Joe Brogan paid by meat companies or, or paid by someone? Because someone actually told me he was because I'm like, for someone, to, for someone intelligent to make such a stupid comment suggests to me that there's another agenda at play. Because um, just for those people who may not know, a lot more resources go into producing that cow. You can't just look at the end product. You have to look at how did that cow get there? One, we bred it into existence. Two, in order for it to then grow and become big or whatever, we literally do deforestation in order for them to like be somewhere right they have to be somewhere and most of the world's deforestation is due to uh, animal agriculture by the way and we put all these like so much water so much um land so much uh crops food soy corn goes into making this cow so when you when you look at the uh co2 when you look at the land when you look at the water when you look at the crop comparison between tofu between um a cow the tofu is like fucking nothing in terms of like resource usage versus the cow that's like completely it doesn't matter if it's like grass grazing whatever whatever the fucking thing it it's inefficient use of resources Mm -hmm. it's like thanks joe you just proved our point yeah and it's i'm just fascinated that someone like joe can can sit there and make a comment like that like and and I really challenge Joe on this. I'm like that. Like, is it is he just dumb? No, he's paid by industry. It has he's to definitely be that paid, way. right? Like, yeah. he has to be paid. Like, he's not a stupid man. He is a smart man. I've seen so many of his things. Even with Sam Harris, I'm like, I see Sam Harris making these stupid comments, and I'm like, these are smart men like I follow them and I watch their stuff and I'm like they're intelligent they can have intelligent conversations they they're thoughtful but when it comes to the vegan thing it's like something switches in their mind and they become dumb and they have such a large audience with so much power and people listen to what they say yeah and I think that they are very responsible for making this plants feel pain argument and that vegans kill more animals like they have popularized that stupid stupid claim so being that you also have a large audience how do you feel that your veganism has maybe created challenges for you or uh, with your career? Or how do you try to use your platform to do better? I don't think veganism has created challenges for me in my career. I, th- I think that um, I, I also don't really care. 
think a lot of prominent actors in in India who are plant-based generally don't want to be too vocal about it and don't want to talk about it. And I think for me, I'm like, uh, I I genuinely don't care. Like I've just started in the industry. Maybe it does offside people, but um, it's something that is greater than me and it's something that I'm very passionate about and so I'd much rather just be open about it but I did make I am still a little strategic I made a different page to talk about these topics and I think um, you you do have to be a little mindful about how as activists as people how best to communicate to your audience in a way that doesn't um, you know offside them so that's why I didn't like yeah, overrun my main account with like vegan, vegan, vegan. It'll scare everyone away. So I think you've done it brilliantly. And I think you managed to squeeze in little things here and there. And you've had a lot of success in these yeah. past couple of years. And I love when people with an influence, people with a platform, use their platform to do good and do better. Because ultimately, it's like, why are we here on this earth? We want to leave this earth better than where we found it. And it's like these superficial things, like, you know, people that are talking about getting their nails done and their hair. It's like, okay, great. Talk about that. But also use your influence to do good and and to to help others. I know that there's some celebrities that have dog rescues or that do food drives and human rights stuff. It's like pick your cause and and, and run with it and do something because there's so much more outside of just ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think that's what veganism is all about. That's what it's all about. Exactly. And um, I think people should, with anything, do whatever they can. And I think when you're in a public zone when when people follow you like I've literally had so many messages from people that have messaged me saying they've gone vegan because of the information that has been shared on the page and and I think that's you know it's a discovery everything with us being here on this earth is a discovery and different if we can help people to you know figure things out in life we should um I have a question for you would you date a non-vegan that is a good question. <laughs> so I couldn't date somebody that, number one, wasn't open-minded and somebody that wouldn't go vegan in the long run. Long term, no, it wouldn't work. Really? I think, you know, when we look at this, the dating field in general, the vegan pool is a sliver. It, there's not a lot. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I have a testimonial. Um <laughs> So when I first started dating my boyfriend, this was three years ago, it was during COVID, we were all kind of hanging out in a friend group. I'm very, at the time I was really militant with my activism and he was really receptive to it. And I can't go and bombard people and blame them if they don't know the information. The problem for me is when they know the information and don't change. And then they choose, yeah. And don't change. So it took him a couple months to transition. Uh, I set my boundaries from the beginning. I said to him, Satya, I do not want to see animal products. I don't want to be around them. And ultimately, I want you to be 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 open-minded to learning new information and he came to sanctuaries with me to slaughterhouses as well came to different actions and over the course of I want to say like eight months to a year he transitioned so first he went pescatarian then vegetarian then vegan and for me it's like as long as the end goal was to go vegan that was what I cared about however it did cause problems it caused issues at first and I said buddy the clock is ticking like if you ultimately aren't going to go vegan in the long run I can't stay with you but again I don't want you doing it for me because I want you to stay vegan and have these values even if we weren't together long term I want you to to remain vegan would you have sex with a non-vegan? Well, I, I, I was having sex with him when he wasn't vegan. <laughs> I think oh, it's, it's hard. It's gross. It, it's kind of disgusting to me. But I think like having casual, casual sex with a non-vegan is easier than dating somebody and having an emotional connection mm. with them and having them not be vegan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What about you? I don't know. I feel like my views have changed over the last 48 hours because I was talking to Dr. Angie and she basically got me to think that, yeah, maybe I should be open to dating non-vegans. Because vagicacy, honey, like you can literally (laughs) convert them just by dating them. See, I'm like, I, part of me feels that I don't want to date someone 
with a desire for them to change. I feel like I need to be comfortable that what if this person is as they, like what if they stay X, Y, Z? And um, and I'm not sure I even want to get into that zone with someone that, you know, or me hoping that, or they'll go vegan one day. I, I th- Your partner, I'm sorry, is a rare, wonderful exception, but many people are not like that. And so I'm just like, do I even, because I think generally men that are um, vegan or go vegan generally tend to be a little bit more empathetic than people who are not. And so would I even date anyone that's non-empathetic? Probably not. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I, anyway, this is like a long convoluted thing. I don't know if I would date um, a non-vegan. I think sex is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of dating, I mean, I have dated a non-vegan. I dated a non-vegan for like a year. And the thing is, is that he tried to be sort of vegan around me and he he tried for a bit, but like ultimately he, you know, was was eating dairy and then he kind of settled on like eating, you know, some fish and um, like basically be a pescetarian. I'm like, it's better than nothing. Like I was like, okay, well, at least there's, you've you've given me some little, you know, morsels to work with. Um, But ultimately I was like, the issue is even if someone uh, kind of goes vegan for me or if they reduce their animal products or if they don't eat animal products around me, ultimately we're not aligned mm. mentally. Like there's, it's not just a diet. It's like a, a compassionate way of looking at life. It's like, it's like I expect like if I see some bug having like a problem and needs some help, my instant reaction is to go help that bug. And I would hope that my future husband who sees the bug also goes to help the bug out. Instead of crushing them. Instead of crushing it. Yeah. So, yeah, actually this guy that I hooked up with last year, it was the last year, yeah, it's forever ago. Um, this guy that I hooked up with, he I, he was he was once um, – uh, there were like all these moths were around and this is after we had hooked up there were all these like moths and he went to one of the moths and like clasped it in his hand and was like joking around like ha ha he he literally hurting the moth like you know how delicate their little wings are like da 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 in his hands and it was like basically dead and I'm like that said everything to me I'm like this person lacks this understanding and not everyone has that I'm like that's just very unappealing to me it is because veganism becomes a part of our identity and when you look at it in terms of a social justice movement it's like well I wouldn't date a racist I wouldn't date somebody that oppresses women and ultimately why would I date somebody that that pays to harm animals I think I try to give people the benefit of the doubt at first That's because true. it is a learning experience and a learning learning curve. Their whole lives, they're fed these advertisements. They're fed this information from yeah. big ag and meat and dairy that that they they. I was in that mindset too at one point. Yeah. So I do try to think. Well, if I could change, yeah, I, I do believe that they could change as well. Yeah. So. It's one. If I can plant seeds here and there, I try to, but it can be very, very frustrating at first, depending on where that person you're dating is on their vegan journey. Because there might be certain people that you're dating that are in the beginning of their vegan journey that they get defensive by certain things that you say, or they get aggressive. Like I find that the people that sometimes are close to changing, they actually get aggressive and defensive at first. Like for me, when I was pescatarian, I remember one of my friends saying to me, she goes, you say you like animals, right? That's why you stopped eating mm. chicken and fish and pig. Yeah. Yet you're eating fish. And fish is by far the worst for the amount of animals that are killed because fish are taken out of the waters in the trillions every year. And she went off on me on about fish. And I was like really angry at first. I was like, it's different. Fish, you know, they live in the waters and they only have three second memories. And I just started spewing all of this like misinformation that I had heard over the years. And I was saying anything and everything I could to justify my actions to continue eating my spicy tuna rolls. And after about two weeks, I, that conversation never left my mind. And I was vegan about two weeks later. 
which is so wild. So you never know that what whatever you say to somebody, depending on what their reaction is, if they get defensive, that might actually be a step towards them going vegan. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I think that um, that just goes to show that you're open to growth and open to challenge your thinking. And I, I honestly believe though a lot of people are really closed off from the idea of their thinking being challenged. And it's almost like a curtain gets shut the moment you challenge anything that's in line with their current viewpoints, especially in an older demographic. Like if you talk to like our parents' generation about like anything, (laughs) it's like you're talking to a brick wall. And it's like so ingrained in their psyche that this is correct, this is the way. Um, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that, but in general... That's how it is. Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is to, when you're dating somebody, also let them hear it from other people. Because what was happening was, my boyfriend was looking at me, and he's like, you're a skinny, white, blonde girl that requires different amounts of food than I do, that eats differently. So he couldn't really relate to me. But then when I introduced him to some of my guy vegan friends that are muscular, that are like super macho and cool, and he was like, oh, wait, I, I actually can see myself doing this. Yeah, and I think especially for men, it's really important to um, see and follow other vegan guys who are muscular and healthy and big and stuff like that because they can relate to it. When they see like me, they're like, okay, some sort of chubby, thin, um, whatever. Or just... (laughs) But, you know, it's like I'm a female. It's not as... They can't really relate to, uh, you know this but when they see guys it's a different conversation so completely agree with that yeah Mm -hmm. for sure i think taking my boyfriend to the sanctuary where he was able to interact with these animals right really changed him as well because he was such a dog and cat lover before we were fostering dogs yeah and then when i took him to the sanctuary he had never actually been up close with a cow or a chicken or a pig where he got the chance to like look them in the eyes and see them for as individuals instead of packaged body parts on the shelves he saw them as individuals and not just objects and that was a big change and there and I think after that trip to the sanctuary shout out to Skylands Animal Sanctuary in New Jersey he changed and he actually understood me I think for the first time that's amazing yeah yeah so it's little things along the way showing people that you're not sacrificing taste texture flavor you can have amazing foods that are plant-based uh and and ultimately live in alignment with your values yeah and um i get a lot of comments on my channel that being vegan you miss out on food and you're eating boring food and it's bland I'm like, dude, like I'm a foodie, okay? Like I've always been a foodie, obsessed with food and I eat more now than I ever have as a non-vegan. And I do not say that lightly. Like in terms of everything, chocolate, ice cream, desserts, the same food, I just I just do like a little bit of research. It's like, for example, if I want to make a butter chicken, I can still make a butter chicken. All the ingredients are pretty much the same. Like to make the gravy, whatever, it's all pretty much the same. Use margarine instead of butter um, or oil if you don't have that. Change the chicken for either seitan, tempeh, tofu, mock chicken, chaap if you're in India, chaap which is really good and really cheap. Um, There's so many options to just change shit from what we already do. And it's not hard. Mm -hmm. You go from eating the same three dead animals to a whole world of options and plants. 80,000 edible plants and people are hung up on some fucking (laughs) like three to four dead animals on rotation. It's like, dude, we can move past it. We're not, we're not cavemen anymore. No, no. I do sometimes think that some of these people are Are kind of cavemen. We actually, in the other day, heard an interesting statistic that cavemen, you know how people are like, oh, cavemen ate meat, so we should eat meat. I'm like, yeah, but dude, cavemen also died by the time they're 35. That's yeah. the average age of death. So are you going to go like kill yourself now? Because if you're a caveman, you should die now. Do you really want to be a caveman now? <laughs> 
And and also, just to even put things into perspective, they didn't actually eat as much meat as people say that they do. Yeah. Like, we are living in a society where people literally eat meat three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Cavemen maybe had one catch every couple of days if they were lucky. It was a survival situation. Nothing that cavemen did... It, is something that we should look to do now. I don't think that cavemen are exactly the ideal people that we want to look up to. Absolutely. Um, and, and and we know that our ancestors, one, did not eat very much meat. Like, it, 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 I don't know where this has actually come from. I think when people think cavemen and they look at imagery, they kind of see these, like, big men with some dead animals and they kind of, put piece that together but it's like that's actually historically not correct even uh, roman gladiators ate a predominantly vegetarian diet and these are elite fighters i mean it it doesn't make any sense and even just now i was watching a talk with with michael greger who basically shared new scientific peer-reviewed data that humans in their middle in their middle age, if they eat a predominantly plant-based whole foods diet, within four years, they can extend their life expectancy by 15 to 20 years. The fact that plants have such a massive effect on our health and well-being, I also learned that eating spinach is what you need to retain your muscle mass as you get older instead of protein. Protein is not actually what you need um, as you age and you start losing muscle mass. What's in spinach is what keeps uh, your muscles strong when you get older. This is new studies that just came out that Michael Gregor was sharing today. Wow, super interesting. I, I, I think this whole protein myth has gone off the charts. These myths that, oh, you don't get any protein as on a plant-based diet. It's like, well, where do the animals that we eat get their protein from? It's like instead of just going to the fr- through the middleman, just go directly to the source. Plants literally are filled with protein. Protein actually comes from plants. What is protein when you think about it? It's building blocks of amino acids that comes yeah. directly from plants. And then people are like, oh, but the bioavailability. I'm like, oh. okay, I get it. But you just have to look at, okay fine, you're used to just having a chicken to get X amount of protein, right? If you just have to change your sources of food, you may just have to eat a little bit more variety. You may just need to like have a few different change up, you know, what you're eating, get a few different things. Maybe you're just not going to eat like beans every day. You might change up a few different, you know, ingredients. It's not hard. No, we're not saying that you can't get protein from animal products. You can, but with that Protein comes a whole list of horrible things, saturated fat, cholesterol. Some people even get salmonella, poisoning, bacterial infections, no fiber whatsoever. So you can get everything you need from a whole foods plant-based diet. And not to mention, you see some of these big bodybuilders that are getting tons of protein, which is number one, super, super hard on your kidneys. And number two, it's, they're not living long lives. They're seemingly healthy, big bodybuilders that look like the epitome of health and then drop dead at 47. Yeah. You know, and when you look at people in the blue zones that are living the longest lives, they're people that are living on a predominantly plant-based diet. It's interesting because most people will say we're meant to eat animals. Most people say we're meant to eat animals. And that, you know, you vegans are just being dramatic and emotional and this is how nature works. We're meant to have them. And I'm like, what? Like, are you high? I think they are. (laughs) (laughs) Most people wake and bake nowadays anyway, so maybe they are high. (laughs) I mean, fuck, it's like, dude, like, we don't don't need to hurt them. It's like, that's the bottom line. It's like, we have the ability to morally think... We know we don't need to eat them. We're choosing to eat them out of a choice, out of a desire. And you're literally, you're basically then, if you, if you break it down to a black and white thing, you're basically saying, I am choosing, when I have a choice between A and B, A is trying to cause minimal harm by eating plant products. B is causing maximum harm by hurting animals, hurting the environment, hurting my health. Why would you choose B? Like, 
Exactly. Why be so dumb? Well, hopefully after this podcast, people will choose A. And they will choose the option (laughs) that reduces the suffering. And I think, you know... We sometimes think that at an individual level, what can we do? But the only thing that ever created change was a small group of people that came together to do better. And it started with one person, then two people, then it multiplied. And we are growing as a vegan movement. And that's what gives me hope. Yeah. What about you? How do you stay hopeful? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm not very hopeful, oh. Jamie. I, I think that our species is fucked. And um, I mean, all, all I really care about is doing whatever I can now to help as many animals as possible. But ultimately, I think we can see historically, our species tends to uh, cause more damage than uh, restoration. And it's going to take something really severe globally for people to really take a step back. And for and the the our our governments and our leaders are the ones who are going to have to implement something on a really crazy scale to force most people to change their thinking. And I think that's only going to occur when something major happens. We've had COVID. I get it, but it needs to be more. It has to be more in order for people to be serious. And they also have to actually recognize and realize that it's coming from eating animals or eating or animal products. Because with COVID, people are like, oh, it's a government thing. It's coming from labs. Who? There were so many theories of where it came from. But what we do know about COVID-19 is that it is a zoonotic virus that at some point came from animals. It 100% came from animals. And those same wet markets where apparently it originated from, they opened up two weeks after COVID hit again, secretly selling their bats. I'm like, wow. (laughs) And in New York city too, we have over 80 live animal wet markets and everybody's pointing the finger at China. And it's like when all businesses are shut down, the only businesses that are still open are slaughterhouses and wet markets. Absolutely. In India, wet markets are everywhere and everyone jumps onto saying, all those Chinese are so bad. Chinese are so bad. I'm like, Yes, Chinese have got some really weird fucking practices going on over there, but so do we, just in different ways. And also you don't see them because all these China things are quite out there. Like we see them. I saw a video of like a dog being boiled alive and I'm like, wow, okay. So I get it's fucked up, but then it's also fucked up where we are. Like, I I mean, I've been physically going to India, dairy farms, egg farms, doing investigations and seeing things in real life. And I don't think people have any fucking clue how bad it is, what we're doing to animals. Like I went to an egg farm in India. This is like a standard egg farm, right? Not like, you know, uh, anything like hidden away. This is like a normal egg farm. And when we walk in there, like obviously dead chickens everywhere, horrible environment. Um, There was like, there was 13,000 chickens inside this tiny shed, like stacked, stacked, stacked upon each other. And there was like a separate section on the left-hand side with like 30 to 40 chickens in like a little cordoned off area who all had like giant heads or something wrong with them bleeding eyes weird stuff going on Um, and I asked the man I'm like why are those chickens there they look like they're dying and he's like they are and I'm like what's wrong with them and he's like well they have got like bird flu and like all this stuff I'm like bird flu (laughs) and then and I was like what are you going to do with them and he's like, well, usually we just bury them alive because every day we have to like scrape off like whatever sick birds. We've, they get sick every, like we've got birds getting sick every day. So we then put them over there. Then at the end of the work day, we go and bury them. I'm like, you're literally fucking burying these birds while they're alive because we have so many of them and we've created these sickly environments with, with, with these animals. And people are so far away from it that they don't see it. And And, you know, it's like, Oh, I just want to have a little scrambled egg, you know. It's like, no. Yes, you're looking at the end product of what you want to have. But you're not understanding how that product got there for you to have it. And, you know, and then people will say, yeah, but, you know, you can just have eggs from my backyard. I'm like, but are you, though? Are you having eggs from your backyard? You're not. No, they're not. And even with that argument, it's like my first question would be, where did you get the chickens? Because the 
the chickens all come from the same hatchery, which are that's where male baby chicks are ground up alive, first day of life. What happens in these hatcheries is as soon as these chicks are born, they're separated male, female. Females go on to live in these horrific conditions, dark sheds, cages. They have their beaks sliced off, and they lay eggs for you for the next five years of their lives before they're sent to the slaughterhouse. And then the males, first day of life, are thrown into grinders, macerators. They're drowned. Some of them are buried alive. So you're saying, oh, my backyard chickens okay where did you get the chickens because if you got them from those hatcheries you're supporting the industry that's number one number two this idea that we need to commodify animals and continue taking from them and that they're here for us is everything that is wrong with the world it's everything that is propelling this speciesist idea and i don't think it stays as the backyard eggs it, it was like that at one time before industrial revolution and before 100 percent yeah 100 percent. it turns into bigger in my head i'm like okay if you can just not have eggs. You can have just egg. You can make a tofu scramble. You can, when you're baking cakes, you can just mix uh, apple cider vinegar and soy milk together and it creates the same binding agent that, you know, egg does. But okay, irrespective from that, let's, uh, for me, ethically, okay, if I think about it from an ethical perspective, I'm like, I am okay if you go and steal the chicken yes. from the farm, yes. you steal it, you don't yeah. buy it, yeah, right? Yeah, buy it. It's already in the system. Fine, you liberate, take it. liberate. Yeah, and then you bring it home, and if you're so desperate to eat its eggs, I'm not even gonna care. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm I not w- even gonna care. We won't go out and protest. You. <laughs> no, I'm like, all right, fine. But I'm like, but it's still weird. It, yeah, it's, it's. I'm not saying it's not weird. It's a menstrual cycle from a bird. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like on an ethical level, I'm like, I'm. I think you're a weirdo, but it's fine. But it's like. Most of the times, that is not the case. That is not the case. And even if they're buying the chicken from the hatchery and keeping the egg in their home, 99% of people are not doing that or able to do that. And it's not sustainable. No. No, we use these extreme circumstances to continue trying to justify our actions, and it really makes no sense. There's this one influencer that came out last week uh, saying that she's no longer vegan. And Sophia. Sophia Esperanza, whatever her name is. She, I thought, was an ethical vegan, and clearly she's just in it for herself. And she was one of those people that's saying these extreme circumstances where she has a sanctuary, where she keeps her chickens, where she has cows, which I still don't understand how you can ethically get dairy, but... That is like a very like that nobody's in that circumstance that she's in. Rarely people are in that circumstance where now she's giving other people the green light to say, oh, well, now I can have eggs. I can have dairy because Sophia is having them and they're going to the grocery store and supporting big egg. Yeah. It's it's insane. So I think the point of this is that there's no right way to do the wrong thing and that we are not advocating for bigger cages, longer chains. We are advocating for total animal liberation and, you know, we'll take whatever steps we need to take to get there. But it's thanks to people like you, thanks to our Generation Vegan team being here at the AVA Summit, meeting all these brilliant, like-minded individuals. Thanks to us, we are creating that change because if we don't speak up for animals, who is going to? No one, unfortunately. So if this episode has inspired you to, number one, get more active, number one, to go vegan. Uh, if You know, whatever step you are on the way of your journey, like we're resources. We're here to help you. We both were there at one point and Yeah. Uh, yeah, anytime. I mean, yeah. people can reach out, send a DM, ask any questions. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And you can follow our Generation Vegan page at genv underscore eng. We post resources. We post a lot of graphics and videos on there of personal stories and experiences of people that went plant-based and and, and had amazing results and also stories of animals and, and rescues. And once we start looking at these animals as individuals and seeing the face behind these these products, then you start to see the world in a very, very different way. Because no longer are you just going to the store and seeing products on a shelf. You're seeing a life. You're seeing somebody that had a personality and, and you're seeing violence. You're seeing that this is this is murder and this is unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I hope more people are open to challenging their thinking. Yes. And even if it means making small steps, it's like... If if you don't want to like completely go vegan or you're unsure or you're scared or you're not in a position that you can, um, just whatever small changes you can start making, um, do that. And it, start small. It could just be when you go to Starbucks next for your latte, 
ask for an oat milk latte. Just start, you know, and and um, whatever approach works for you, um, everything helps. And challenge yourself, you know. Like I, when I first went vegan, I, I said I'm going to do this for a month. I took a challenge called Veganuary, and I never thought I could go vegan. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll try it for a month. But after that, I'm not going to stay vegan. And then I realized, oh, I could do a month. Well, I could do two months. And mm-hmm. now it's been six years and I'm never going back. Yeah. So amazing. And so where can people find you? Um, well, uh, they can DM me on Instagram. Kindness with Amy um, is my main page. Um, feel free to send me a message, email me, whatever. Um, always happy to help and answer any questions. Amazing. And they can also see your great acting and your skits at Amy Ayla. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I have a lot of comedy skits, different stuff, um, that sort of thing. That's kind of my, yeah, my crazy part of my my brain, I guess. Um. Well, the animals are so freaking lucky to have you on their side. And you guys, I'm at It's Jamie's Corner. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. And peace out. See you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>